Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Brookomo. In this episode, we are joined by Louis Phillips, businessman, hybrid athlete, as he calls himself, podcaster and content creator. I was very honored to sit down and explore his mindset through his experiences. Expect to learn more about his big brother experience, building a brand and not working nine to five, how to deal with hate, the benefit of like-minded friends, why we are all just figuring it out and why there is no alternative, imposter syndrome, the person he wants to be like, how to communicate in relationships and why the first few months of a relationship are the most important, male vulnerability and how to express your emotions, his favorite quotes, why you have to put certain barriers up with the fame, how to view self-growth and the algorithm of life and much, much more. There is so much gold from Louis in this episode. I can't wait for you all to listen. Let's get into it. I didn't really know how to tell people what was happening. You've got to start living life. It's not going to last forever. If you've got something nice to say, say it. It's such a negative world. Why don't we start changing the way we talk? No, I've never been scared of dying. Stop judgment for curiosity. If you love yourself and the important people in your life love you, then that's all you really need. All right, Louis. Louis Phillips, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. It's good, it's good to be here in uh, the wild, wild west. I, uh, I was born here, as you know, and I come back most years, but I absolutely love Perth and I, I've been telling everyone who's from Melbourne, oh, you've got to get over to Perth. Uh, but I've learned pretty quickly there's kind of two different types of Perth. I, um, the Perth I kind of grew up in on, on my dad's, so I was very lucky around like Cottesloe and stuff. And then on my mum's side, it's kind of East Perth and, and we're currently staying in East Perth. And I think I'm in like some kind of homeless shelter, like no joke. <laughs> Um, so two very different kind of Perths. Uh, so the people I'm sending over from Melbourne, I'm kind of trying to get them into the Golden Triangle, not yeah. <laughs> into the East Perth side. Definitely the Golden Triangle is the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> so we see Louis Phillips now, you know, with a bit of fame, but I want to bring it back right to the start sort of, and what inspired you to, you know, go into social media in, in the first place? 
Yeah, I, it was a pretty natural progression. I think, um, you know, through school and stuff, like always relatively good at sport and, and that kind of thing, but never good enough, you know, like never never the best. Um, always a little bit underdeveloped and uh, really late to hit puberty. And I definitely had to fight my way through to, you know, kind of, I don't know, just like be in any kind of sport things. Um, but I was really super passionate about it. So continued that coming out of school and uh, obviously started a business with a mate, Gab. And um, yeah, we created 9 to 5 Fitness and that was on the back of just kind of building size in the gym, building strength. Um, and we were getting heaps of questions on how to do that. So we created the business 9 to 5 Fitness with the sole intention of going onto social media just to sell product, whether that be a, a workout program or apparel. Um, and we fast learned that things sell only if you have a personality online. So it's a nice idea to come into a um, business just wanting to sell apparel and, and not be the face of the brand, but it doesn't really work. So we figured out pretty quick, let's create personal brands um, and then things will sell from there. And they did. They absolutely did sell. So uh, it started with kind of the intention of um, business and sales uh, and then yeah, it's kind of quickly formed into I am the business and, and like kind of my face is the brand, I suppose. Does that sort of seep into your personality a bit, like the distinction between you yourself and the work? I'm pretty good at kind of separating the two, especially when I'm getting hate and there's plenty of it. You know, like I get so much hate and um, my girlfriend actually commented on it. She's like, she, she was saying how, uh, like the way I take hate is, is really impressive just in terms of, cause I've been doing it for a while. It's like, Oh, like it doesn't matter what that person's saying, you know, like I, I couldn't care less. And like, they're not saying that about me personally and, and who I am. Like they're saying about kind of that character online. Uh, that's not to say I'm not who I am online. Uh, but yeah, I think separating the two is really important. And anyone who goes in really hard with like, this is me, this is who I am. Um, like and their whole personality and persona is online, uh, the second they cop hate, it's going to be pretty grim. Did you, over the journey, has there been sort of a progression of learning to deal with the hate? Like starting out, I guess, like even for me, like a lot of our TikToks cop like hate, but you start to sort of build that resilience? Yeah, 100%. I was lucky enough doing it with Gab early on. You know, we were in it together. So whatever he was copying, I was copying and vice versa. So it, it took the heat off it. Uh, and that's where I look at, at Tom prime train. Like I find it so impressive. He's done it on his own since the start and he started with a lot of hate. He still gets a heap of hate. So that kind of resilience is really impressive. But for me personally, yeah, I had someone at the start there. We built resilience together, went out on my own, built some more resilience. I was, it was interesting recently doing big brother. Um, you know, it was recorded a year ago. So everything that came out was a year ago. Um, but uh, just like the the hate behind that and, and just how personal it became, I, I've spoken about it before, but I was getting messages or, or seeing comments and it's like Louis a like absolute scum of a bloke, like dog of a person for, you know, like evicting this person in the house. It's like, oh my gosh, that is like, that's pretty personal, you know, or like the way he did this. Um, so that was a whole new level of hate, which I had to kind of overcome. But it's, it's honestly for anyone who's building a brand or on social media, if you're not getting hate, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. I feel like the quote that summarizes it is, is like, if you're not ready to be hated, you're not ready to be famous. Like, I feel like that's what prime does really well. Like since the start, like he's been able to take that on board, 
But with the whole Big Brother experience, like, what's it sort of like? Um, because I feel like the show, they, they're they portraying you in a way for dramatic attention. Like, it's not really you and it's filmed so long ago and then it comes out now and you're getting all this hate. What was that whole, like, experience like? Yeah, it was really interesting. I, we were told from the start, like, the, the person, like, the edit that comes out of it doesn't necessarily define who you are. Um and because, you know, they're filming for 24 hours of the day and then they have to make a 40-minute episode out of that 24 hours pretty much. So it's like there's, they're going to miss so much. They're going to chop up and, and cut out a whole heap that you think is going to be in there and then inevitably it isn't. Um, so I was pretty aware of the fact, like, I'm kind of playing a character. Like, I was going to be the strategic guy who was kind of, you know, running around the house, evicting people, sending home, like, Australia's favourite person. Um, and I knew I'd cop it for it. I think it was a little bit disappointing at times, like, just seeing the, like, they cut out so much of the friendship stuff in there and, like, the fun, like, really enjoyable times. And they really did make me out to be some kind of, like, little, like, snake slithering around the house, like, whispering in people's ears and, like, not actually talking. Um but mate, honestly, like it, it didn't didn't affect me at all. I'd say the the hardest part of Big Brother by far was the fact I had gone on it a year ago. So it was October twenty twenty two, I think. Yeah. Um, and then it came out obviously like a month ago. So a year in between. Um, and then obviously I was I was hooking up with I was, I was kissing a girl on there, and then I I got a girlfriend halfway through last year. So. I, f- I felt awful and it was something really difficult which we had to work through in that my girlfriend Izzy had to kind of bear through that situation where she's watching me hook up with someone online or hearing about me hook up with someone online, Big Brother's pumping the content out about it. She's on social media herself, so she's copying it online as well. So that was the like absolutely the most difficult thing in the show. Yeah, just the, the all of the changes that happen from recording yeah and, and inflicting it on someone else you know like I'm, I'm happy to cop it i'm more than happy to cop hate if it's like my own doing and all that but to think that i would like put that and shift that onto someone else was like it was really difficult but she took it like a champion honestly barely even cared yeah <laughs> what's it been like having the attention throughout like your whole journey and especially of late yeah it's, it's an interesting one it's it's something you kind of like you don't search for it but then you get it and then you kind of, you don't expect it, but you keep searching for it. So when I started making running content at the start of 2023 um, and it took off, like I, I kind of blew up on social media, particularly Instagram, I just thought that was the norm. And then of course, you know, you come into winter, like things aren't hitting as well. Not everyone's that keen on running, like the attention comes off straight away. So, and then you're just like constantly on that hunt and that search to, to find more attention or like to find kind of more recognition in, in that way. Um, but what's helped has just been like, you know, as I said, just like distancing myself from the fact like, like I'm not my followers, like I'm not a number um, and I'm not one dimensional in, in being like just on social media. I feel like with the followers thing, it's one of those things where if you set goals, like oh, when I get to this many followers, things are going to be good. Well, once you get to that many followers, the goalposts just keep shifting, don't they? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And and also if you like define yourself by that many followers, like they will go back. That They will like it's, it, it's you know, peaks and troughs, it's ebbs and flows. It, it goes up and down um, and the followers, they, they peak, then they go down, then they go up again. Like if you're going to live your life like that, it, 
you're in for a rough one. So you got to figure it out pretty quick. And and for me, that's been the community side and like, you know, particular individuals. I get so many great messages all the time saying like, I, I started running because of you or like, you know, I've done a 5k um, thanks to your tips, etc. Or like doing the run club and, and meeting the individuals there. Like that's a hundred percent where kind of my barometer of success comes in. Is that sort of your purpose now? Yeah, community. I think so. Absolutely. Like the more I can get people together to get out there and get running, the better. And that's that's like all – and not just running, like fitness in general, you know, and and mental health and, and lifestyle and, and that kind of stuff. It's That's definitely where the, the happiness is for me. The thing with running, I feel like a lot of people put the label on themselves that they're not runners. And the thing I like about your running community is that like you – gave a lot of guidance for maybe like beginners as well because I feel like that's where they get stuck like they don't really know what to do and that's sort of what your Sunday run thing was about yeah exactly mate and just like like not setting a specific demographic for who I'm trying to chat to like it's for for mums as much as it is for like 15 year old boys like it's it's so accessible to everyone and for everyone um and it should be like that and you know if you're not enjoying it then like you're kind of doing something wrong obviously there's going to have to be some difficult um, you know, stages through your running life. But, like, overall, it should be a pretty positive experience. And I think, you know, for a lot of people who've played footy and stuff, there's a real negative connotation over running. Yeah. How long did it take for the nine to five stuff to sort of blow up? I've been following it, like, from this relatively early. But how long did it take when you and Gab decided to start doing that to sort of transition into being able to do it more full-time yeah i'm so bad at dates and kind of timelines but um, so i'll probably butcher this i reckon it was roughly about a year um so we started off um you know we created nine to five fitness and then we would like create an instagram had like 10 followers and you're trying to promote it through that it's just like not going to work so then we eventually got on tiktok and then like we hit 10k followers 20k and then it just kept growing but um from when we got to quit our jobs i think it was about a year in um and it was great like i think we were both living at home in at the time so you know didn't have to pay rent or anything um and then within a year of that we moved out together and was just able to keep grinding and keep building it what was that period like when in between being able to do it full time and when you're sort of just still working your jobs, was that was that a hard period or was it sort of like an easy natural transition? I mean, it's it's hard, but when you're super passionate about something, it's like it's a no brainer. You know, I look back at, at nine to five now and I think I could not do that. I could not set up like what we set up and go through all those processes. Um I, like I just don't have the motivation or, or the passion with it. But when you do have the motivation and passion to do that at the time, it's so, such a no-brainer and it's like quite methodical and easy. So, um, yeah, super difficult. But if you're passionate, you know, for anyone, like for you with podcasting, let's say, like it, it's not so much of a grind for you to get guests on and, and like show up every week and do it. But for me, like absolutely, that would be a grind. And shooting out those messages and stuff like that it would just sap so much of my energy. So it's... If you're passionate about something, then it's it's not going to be too difficult. Mm. It's not hard work if you love what you do. Exactly, mate, yeah. So I guess I'm sort of interested to tap into like as much mindset as possible um, because I feel like you've gone through quite a bit in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, just starting with something here, um, with the social media presence you have, do you ever feel the pressure 
to have everything figured out. You're still quite young in your life and journey, but sometimes when you get a following on social media, it can create this pressure to almost know what you're doing or has that not really entered your mind? Yeah, oh, 100% at times for sure. Um, you know, especially through that real public breakup of 9 to 5 and Tom and Gab and me and, like, that that was, like, very much that thing of you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like, whatever you do on social media, you're going to get scrutinised for. Um, if you don't post anything, you're going to get your head ripped off. If you post something, you're going to get your head ripped off. So, like... I was trying to be too perfect with it all. Um, but generally speaking, like I've found a lot of people enjoy it if I'm just genuinely like kind of open and honest. Like mm. I like having a beer and then going for like going for a run the next day or like, you know, I'm, I'm not like the perfect human. Don't follow me if you want like David Goggins, you know, 5 a.m. every day. Like that's probably follow David Goggins or Tom. That's that's not me. So um, I think the the quicker I came to um, saying you know like or making it clear that it's it's not me, the, the the better and more kind of passionate I was about social media. I think in terms of trying to be perfect in it, it's it comes out of social media as well. Like I I noticed in my relationship or or relationship with friends and stuff, if you're having a tough conversation. Like if you're just always trying to have that perfect conversation of like right, these are the four points you want to bring out. Um, listen, 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 like you're just going to ruin that conversation. I don't know if that makes sense, but just trying to be too perfect in a lot of things, take it off social media. I've, I definitely do that. So how do you switch that off? I think listening is a really good start, you know, like um, just just listening to someone and what they have to say is a good way to do that, it's, it's especially in that, that conversation kind of mindset way, you know, like – if you're trying to manipulate a conversation or come into something and just be too perfect with it, it's just always going to fall apart because unless the other person says exactly what you want to hear, then you're going to come out of that conversation being really pissed. I mean, like the perfect example is like a relationship and with your girlfriend or whatever. Like if you're going in like, right, you need to listen to this, this and this. And unless she says like the perfect thing, you're going to be pissed off. Like it's just the worst way to go about it. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of social media, like, I don't know, it's just... I, I just keep distancing myself from it every day, I think, and and make sure I'm really aware that I'm more than just, like, the followers and, and likes and all that. So that's the hard thing because, like, you're on social media but and you sort of have, like, obligations to post content. But is it sort of just, like, posting that content and then trying to stay off your phone for when you don't need to be on it? I don't think so. I think it's more just, like, not chasing it. It's you're just, you're chasing the dragon all the time with social media. And if you can cut that, like the quicker you're going to be happy. So, you know, I used to try and post like every day, you know, multiple times a day, just chasing that reel to blow up or chasing that TikTok to blow up. Just like, come on, what's going to hit? What's going to hit? And you just lose yourself in it. Whereas now I'm just like, I'll post something. I'll have a look at the views and likes, but I'm not too obsessed over it. And then I won't post for a couple of days more. I'm not going to lose followers because of that um in fact you'll probably retain a whole lot more so it's more just like the frequency in posting for me um and just being aware of the fact like yeah, i'm not defined by it has that had a huge shift in sort of like i don't know your mental health like from being sort of overwhelmed by the responsibilities mm. you feel on social media yeah it's probably shifting um like i'm still it still feels pretty fresh in that like my social media blew up, I suppose. And then 
it's kind of like it's on the decline if if that's how you want to look at it into from a like a numbers perspective um so i'm kind of still like coming to terms with all of that um but yeah that's that was always going to happen like i had so many people say that to me it's like it generally what happens is like you blow up you lose a little bit and then you retain for a long time so like i'm still like kind of finding my spot at the yeah. moment um so so figuring out how to just relax and just settle the boat and settle the ship has been really important what was the hardest thing about sort of in the nine to five, like branding? And I feel like you have to learn so many new skills, whether it's video editing and learning to, or just learning a bunch of new skills. What was that whole phase like? Yeah. I mean, it's super handy. It's, um, it's your NBA, isn't it? Like it's, it's the, the, the perfect kind of degree. Um, and I've learned so much from it, but I think in terms of, yeah, like, like skills and hardest parts, the hardest things to learn. It's probably um, like people management. Uh, and it, it's that's more so coming to, to what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm building an app at the moment, um, a running app, and it's it's pretty close to launch. And my role within that app has quickly changed from like um, being like the face of it and being like the creator of it to managing people. Like I'm very much in a management role now where you're just trying to kind of put everything together um, and pull the levers so that I learned I learned a lot of that from nine to five um, and working as a team so um, that's been really yeah eye-opening I suppose you spoke a bit about somewhere I saw when you split from nine to five and you had to sort of really personalize your own brand mm. and you sort of went into like a bit of a role at the AFL and then you went through sort of a phase growing your own personal brand what was that whole experience like yeah, well, I mean, so split from nine to five, probably a year or two before everyone knew about it, um, and then figured it out pretty quick. Like, oh, I need to, I need to make money. <laughs> like, I need to, I need to survive here. I obviously moved out of home, so managed to get a job at the AFL doing social media. Learned real fast. That is not for me. Uh, working for someone else. I mean, I can do it, but I was, I just, I just found it the most like. Um, how do you explain it? Like really kind of boxed in environment, not necessarily, not just the AFL, but just generally working with someone like I'd have an idea. I'd be super passionate about it. And when I have an idea in, in my world, like I can bring it to fruition really fast. I can create something, put it up online, put the video up and then it's, it's off into the, into the open. Whereas at the AFL, you come up with the idea, you talk to your boss, your boss talks to his boss, his box talks to his boss. They check, Oh, is that all good? We go through PR it's four weeks later. Oh yeah, you can you know do that video. It's like oh too late, too late. Like that's that's well gone. So that was the first thing I figured out. Like no, nah, that's not for me. But then yeah, my personal brand stuff. It was very much just kind of authenticity, vulnerability. You know, all the buzzwords of just yeah. getting out there, putting a camera in front of my face and saying I'm going for a run because I feel this, or like I just want to be able to run five k's and just enjoy it, or like I'm running for meditation. And honestly, it just hit. Like, there's an element of luck to it um, as well. It just that stuff was hitting. I figured it out like if I'm trying to run a sub twenty minute five k, the series and lead up to that, people really like. So. I was yeah recording me doing a sub 20 minute 5k and not just showing the positive sides, not just showing like me, I'm training for it. Oh, I've hit it by this product. It was like training for it, attempt, fail, training for it, attempt, fail, training for it, attempt, win. And then like that actual series did really well. Yeah. And no, I love that sort of authenticity and yeah, I th yeah, I, 
people really resonate with that. How important do you think it's been like surrounding yourself with like-minded people? And I'm interested in like how your sort of maybe friend groups and environments have changed over a, su- a long period of time. Because I feel like the people you surround yourself with can be so important for like, I don't know, almost your ceilings, like those glass ceilings that we create for ourselves. So what's it been like, I guess, when you were in the house with Gab and Prime and sort of a really social media oriented relationships? Mm. Yeah, I mean, Gab and Prime aside, I think like the, um, yeah, the the people you have around you is everything. Um, and we recognised it early on as like any kind of resistance in regards to kind of my work and, and social media, like you just don't want it. So, you know, if let's say you and I are in a room together and I need to film like me doing a pull-up or whatever and you're like, mate, like stop, like don't film. Like I, I don't, like that's so lame. Like straight away, that's just too much resistance. I just, I literally don't need that because it's already difficult enough. So cutting people out in my life who were like, and honestly, there's not that many, but you just kind of distance yourself a little bit of like anyone who's giving you shit all the time or like like that tall poppy syndrome stuff trying to bring you down, like cut that out. It's it's a cancer, like get rid of it if, if this is the world you want to go into. Um, and that's not to say you can't listen to criticism or anything, but you can often tell the difference between like positive and, and active criticism to like someone who's trying to, just tear you down for their own benefit. Um, so the first thing was like just limiting that resistance. Uh, footy was a big one for me. You know, I was all right at footy, not that great. I was playing seniors in in like country league, um, getting a bit of coin for it. But just like, mate, the abuse was just hectic. <laughs> like I look back to some of the abuse I'd cop on the field from over the fence mostly, not so much from on the ground. And it's just like, that's wild. Like I don't even make footy content. <laughs> I'm absolutely copying it. So... Um, that was one, another thing to cut out. Um, but then, yeah, you know, on the positive side, like my social circles are great. Tom's super helpful and Tom and I help each other a whole lot and really noticed that when he moved in with me is like, we were able to spend a whole day together filming and recording and you just come back to your house with all this content and like a week's worth of work done. So that was super helpful. But, um, yeah. And then my family as well, also really helpful. And so you get to like bounce ideas off each other and stuff. Yeah, bounce ideas. And, and I think as well, like figure out, like you still need a sounding board. If everyone's just a yes man um, and everyone's saying, yeah, post it, post it. You start posting, like you start going into that blue pill, red pill bullshit. Like you start watching videos on how to talk to women and how to like obsessing over Andrew Tate. Like that's a slippery slope. So if you have people around you to kind of like, you know, balance, balance your areas and, and say, Oh, maybe don't post that. Like maybe that is, you know, inciting like eating disorders, or maybe that's kind of encouraging people to put on excessive amounts of muscle for no, no reason. You know, like Tom and I have these conversations all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's been really handy. Cause like he'll say something, I'll be like, nah, I probably don't post that or just change the wording because it might hurt this person. Um, that's where it's been really handy. Yeah. I like that. Um, what about, what about the, being a hybrid athlete, sort of like that compromise between being a runner, like an, being an elite runner versus like still maintaining a lot of your strength. I feel like in Australia, you're one of like quite a high standard of like being able to run a really good time and then also be able to bench and, you know, do a lot of heavy stuff in the gym. Yeah. I mean, the hybrid athlete thing, it's, it's like a bit of a buzzword, isn't it? Yeah. Cause like 
anyone who plays footy is a hybrid athlete. Yeah. Anyone who plays like any contact sport is a hybrid athlete. So it's kind of like a, a way to get views, you know, absolutely. But um, yeah, I love it. Like I, I just like being fit, happy and healthy. I think the, I, you know, I was compared to Gab for a, a lot of my like early career and I'm just, he's, I'm never going to catch him in terms of size and muscle. Like I would never be able to catch him unless I jump on a cycle not saying he's on, on gear, but like he's a he genetically yeah. incredible. So like I figured out pretty early, you know, play to your strengths. Um, and from there, it's just developed into me wanting to be healthy and happy. Um, so like health wise, you know, putting on crazy amounts of muscle, it's not good for you. And then being able to walk upstairs without getting puffed is pretty essential for me. So I guess that just turned me into the, the hybrid athlete thing. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, the, the the name is is just a bit of a buzzword. But anyone who plays footy is a hybrid athlete. Yeah. Do you love making content still? Yeah, I do. Um, absolutely. When when you like when you make a good video, there's nothing better. Uh, and the skills are continue to evolve. Um, but uh, I think I find most of my love in in just like the helping others. So so what comes with making a good video is often like you know, the positive stuff you get with it. Uh, it's less about the numbers and the views. It's more about the impact. I guess I'm interested. You've met a lot of like successful people in the last few years through circles. Have you noticed any sort of trends with their mindset or their thinking? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Absolutely. Been so lucky to meet... Um, some incredible people. And I think it's like there's similarities across the board, but a lot of the times I've kind of met people and gone, you actually don't have it all figured out. Mm. Like that's been the biggest one is like, oh, I'm not going to drop any names because I don't want to drag them. But I've met some really successful business men and women and like had chats to them, asked some questions and like they don't know all the answers. So I think that's been kind of quite reassuring is like just understanding that, they're not all perfect and they've got some great lines, some great buzzwords and some great things to say and, you know, some incredible tips. But often the tips are just like, just back yourself in, you know, they're, they're, they're not like really acute specific tips about what I'm trying to do. It's more general stuff, which applies. Cliches. Yeah, cliches and it applies to everyone. But generally speaking, it's about resilience, isn't it? Like how much you can keep getting up and, and keep going um, for this app where launching it's, uh, coming along really well and, and like we've had a few people go through it um, through like a test flight thing and um, you know you cop some some harsh feedback which is obviously welcomed but it, it would be easy to just kind of read that feedback and go oh, like I, we can't do this you know like yeah, I could totally see how anyone would just be like no nah, let's like let's just can it like we're too we're too far in but I think the you know the magic is in that that resilience have have you been able to develop that through like mini failures across the journey yeah absolutely um pl plenty of failures along the way like <laughs> you get it up and running and then something else falls apart and um you know or like a you need a really specific kind of um feature within the app and it's just like the most brutal thing to to sort out luckily i've got the best team behind me but um yeah i think that's that's where it's gonna grow that's where it's gonna happen is is through the failures what about in this whole social media realm in the content space of like doing the same thing over and over mm. that sort of works like 
hammering the door down versus like trying new things because often when you go down a different path like you sort of don't realize how much the price tag of that and how much stuff's associated with a new direction you go in yeah yeah i think that like that's how you grow on social media is like the same shit just repeat just keep repeating and that's kind of unfortunate like i mean i encourage it but if you're not going to be dynamic and you're not going to kind of go a different path to everyone else you're just going to you know, get the same results. So it's so important to go out and do your own thing and, and figure out like what your space is and then change it up, you know, like and have the guts and have the balls to change it up. Um, it's so easy to just be stagnant and keep doing the same shit. I, I've I've done that 100% and that's where I'm at now is, is figuring that out. So, yeah, I certainly don't have the answers. Yeah. <laughs> don't have it all figured out. No, I, I absolutely don't. I'm, I'm figuring it out. I feel like there's... um. Like we put these people on, on pedestals and, mm. and you start to, I'm sure you went through this, like you meet them and I don't know, like you have a perception, but then you just realise they're just another human. Oh, I, mate, I get that all the time. Oh, particularly earlier on, maybe not so much recently, but just like meeting AFL players, like footballers. I, I thought they were all just like head heroes, ju- just heroes, bro. Like they just have it all sorted out and like, they're kids most of the time. Like, of course they don't have it all sorted out. Like, they're, they're figuring it out just as much as anyone else. They've got this incredible talent that's put them in the public eye. But as as people, as as blokes, as, you know, as athletes, like, they don't have it all sorted out. So um, that's been pretty eye-opening. And um, I think that's, yeah, it's just a, and yeah. What's your best sort of advice for people? Because I have a lot of these conversations, a lot of, there's so much fear of judgment and fear of failure on social media. What can we learn from you about just taking it on and giving it a crack and not taking on board everyone's criticism and being out of like people have so many passions and ideas in their heads, but they just stop themselves because they're so scared that it's not going to work out. Mm. I don't know. I, I, the thing is I've, I've been lucky in that I haven't had to think about that too much. Like I, I guess that's where um, having great people around you helps, but like, Generally, if I have an idea, just, I just put it out there and see what happens. And then, like, the hate that comes with it, I don't – I honestly, it doesn't affect me. So, if you take anything from this, it's like, just do it. And I know that's so cliche. Like, it's so obvious and it's like, oh, shut up. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to. But genuinely, like, if you, ha- you want to start making videos, then just do it. Like, I have so many people in, like – people I've met, you know, along the way in life from, like, junior footy – who I haven't spoken to when we follow and we follow each other on Instagram, like two people, like someone I've met, you know, yesterday, I have so many of them message me out. Hey bro, I want to pick your brains on like how to make content and stuff. It's like, yeah, we can do it. But every time I've had these meetings and these coffee dates with people, it's always the exact same thing. They've got the best idea. They know exactly how to film. They've actually got four videos made and ready to go, but they just want me to tell them to like post it. Validate, them. yeah, validate you're them. Sort of exactly, it and it's such. like there's nothing I can, I like, yeah, post it. I, I don't know, like, I think you should post it, and that's a really good video. I, I'd enjoy watching that. You're gonna cop hate, obviously, but there's nothing I can say that is gonna make it feel any better. So, you know, for those that are listening who are thinking about putting something out, well, this is me telling you, this is your validation. That video is great. You should post it. <laughs> And social media, it's the perfect testing ground, especially TikTok. Like, oh, you almost huh. can't lose. Yeah, 100%. And also, like, if you're not getting hate, you're not you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Like, if you're actually that scared of hate, to be honest, though, like, then probably don't do it. But, yeah. you know, oh, who cares? Like, 
at the end of the day, the people you get hate from, it's always like user 24913. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're, they're so unhappy in their own life. You've got to remember that. Like they're, they're just, they're projecting onto you. It's, it's okay. I think it's as simple as that, but I think you've just got to do it and then you'll realise how easy it is once you start. Yeah, 100%. And then, you know, UGC, like content's created for you. People say something, they, they send you a message and, oh, we want to see this, we want to hear that. Awesome. That's, it What's begins. user-generated content? Yeah. yeah. So, so like sort of like... Well, like comments and stuff, you know, like replying to comments on TikTok. You know, if someone asks you a question and you can reply to that and then it just keeps growing, the, you know, it keeps building. I'm interested in the difference you think between confidence and arrogance. And obviously the perception of perfect examples prime, like he cops a lot of hate for being so arrogant, but is he just really, really confident? Yeah, he is. He's, he's super confident. Um, confidence and arrogance is an interesting one. It's, you want to watch it on social media, I reckon, because like the perception people can have of you is like, well, especially with the, the numbers stuff. So you could post something that's really polarizing, really out there. And it'll get heaps of views. It'll all be hate. Like people despise you for it, but it'll get heaps of views. So if you keep chasing that, then like I think that's the arrogance coming in. You know, like that's that's where it's like you're just chasing the, the views. Because anyone can get views. It, honestly, anyone can go out and get views. But it's like what kind of views do you want and, and all that. The, the, the confidence and arrogance thing though, I mean, yeah, I think you have to have a little bit of both to be honest. Like who... Who in their right mind wants that much attention on themselves? Like if you're going out and creating videos and like wanting a hundred thousand people to watch it, that's a that's a lot of people. And if you want people to come up to you on a on a night out or just out on the street, like it's a bit of a a, a weird thing. So I think you have to have a little bit of arrogance. Um, but yeah, Tom is is very confident. <laughs> confident. What about sacrifices like along the journey? Like obviously, like you don't. You've got like a really good balance, but I'm interested in some of maybe the sacrifices you've made, whether it's like going out less, changing friend groups a bit. I don't know, any sort of sacrifices for the benefit of your business? Yeah, I mean, like it's, it, you know, in terms of like business, yeah, there's, there's going to have to be sacrifices along the way. I've found, I've always found like when you need to lock in and grind, you need to lock in and grind, start saying no to beers, start saying no to going out, whatever, anyone can do that. I think the the sacrifice really came in like I really noticed it when I was when I met my girlfriend Izzy and like started meeting some of her friends and stuff and I just felt this huge like cloud of embarrassment coming over me. I was like, fuck, like I'm like an influencer. Like that is so lame. I make like content. When people would ask me what what do I do for for work, it's like, oh like I make like content. Like, oh like you're an influencer. And I was just like this huge level of like embarrassment and and shame came over me. And that's not because of anything they said. It was it was completely like myself but I suppose like you know it's not really sacrifice but um I really noticed that uh just in meeting new people and stuff is like you kind of sacrifice being in the same lane as everyone else because you're doing something different like it's gonna be different yeah yeah, so you're like I'm not working at Deloitte I'm not at KPMG tapping numbers into a screen so like I'm doing something very different and meeting new people and, and introducing yourself, that's um, it's pretty daunting. So 
are you are you proud of what you do then? Is it still? But it's like you just feel like because it's so deviated from like the ordinary goals of like you mm. know working as an accountant, a lawyer, and like you're doing really well. But it's like sort of like there's a stigma around the word influencer. Like me yeah. and my mate were talking about it, and it's like if you think about it, influencer, influence. You, you're having a positive influence on people. It can be as simple as that, but there's such a negative stigma attached mm. to that label influencer. Is that what makes it? Yeah, I think so. It's that, it's that pa- getting painted as the same brush and, and all that. And like I've always said, I'm, I'm a businessman, not a, an influencer. Like it's, it's business first and then social media. But yeah, I think it's the stigma that comes with it. It's the getting painted as the same brush um, and just kind of, yeah, like, what comes to people's mind when they hear that I'm a content creator and it, like, that's all, it's all on me. It's my own insecurities and um, yeah, it's, it's not on anyone else. When you started content creation, did you ever think that you would get to a space like this? Did you sort of put any sort of limiting beliefs or glass ceilings on what was possible? Oh, I mean, I, I didn't think it through to be honest. Like it was purely business at the start and then, see what happens um to be honest though like i'm nowhere near where i want to be uh in terms of business and stuff and and content and and social media so yeah it's like i i guess then you could say like i i thought i would get to this stage because i'm nowhere near where i want to be um but yeah i definitely do sit back at times and go no that's actually pretty cool i i you know i was um I can't, still can't believe I was on Big Brother. The, the, I think the series flopped, to be honest, I, yeah. I, and I, I couldn't care less. But, like, the fact I went through all those adi- auditions and then, you know, finally made it onto the show and then got to the top three, like, I'd sit back and go, that's that's really sick. You know, whether people enjoy that or not and um, no one act really watches it these days. But for me, like, that's still one of those things I'm like, no, I never thought I'd get to that. Do, um, you, do you feel like you don't? look back enough because you're, you're growing so much you just keep looking at what you yeah, could be. Yeah, 100%. And, and I still have a huge amount of imposter syndrome, but it's – and I think that's really normal, but I'm still, like, not where I want to be, if that makes sense. It's really hard to articulate. So you're, you're content with where you are, but what's the imposter syndrome? Is it just because, like – Content creation is not like a you don't get you don't go to university to study content. Yeah, creation. maybe. Well, I think the imposter syndrome comes in like, like this shouldn't be me. Like, wow, like I can't believe this is my life and this isn't me. Like, this doesn't feel real. You know, I think there's a constant feeling of like, this is all going to get taken away from me tomorrow. You know, like I, it genuinely feels like like I could wake up tomorrow, all my followers are gone, no one listens to a thing I say, and like I've lost all my businesses, and you know, I'm like starting from square one again. Like there's a real sense that that might happen. There's no reason for it to happen, but I think that's a good sign that you feel as though like, oh shit, like I'm like a little bit uneasy with all of this. Mm. And I think, you know, there's a big difference between like excitement and anxiety. They, they feel the same often, but there's a, a big difference. So I think there's a lot of excitement involved, but with that feeling, I'm kind of, you know, mistaking it for anxiety. So, um, yeah, I guess that's where the imposter syndrome comes in and, um, you know, it's not going to stop. I, I've got a real, really good taste for that when, you know, all of this, um, like that public breakup stuff came out between Gab, Tom and myself. It's just like, like how quickly people turn on you. Mm. And it was so obvious to see because I'd have, you know, DMs from people like someone like, hey, Louie, absolutely love you, love the running content, 
whatever, whatever. And then two months later, it's like, you should kill yourself. <laughs> and it's like from the same, you can literally see it in the chat. I've got screenshots of it. Like, and, and they're 14 year olds, like whatever. But just how quickly people can turn on you. It was really interesting. So I think that's where I, um, you know, bring in like, like the run club and stuff. Because like, I feel like you, it's easy to outsource your happiness when it's all positive. Oh, mate, so, so easy. But then as soon as it's negative, it's like, well, you can't ha- have it both. You can't have only the positive and not the negative. Yeah, exactly. And, and who in their right mind thinks it's always going to be positive? Like that's, that's essentially what we're searching for is like just that, that constant stream of positivity. It's never going to happen, is it? So, um, yeah, but that was a real good wake-up was all that uh, break-up stuff. How important do you think training is, like, and the links between looking after your body, training well, eating well, recovering well for, like, your mental health? Yeah, I think it's it's so important. Um, yeah, it's 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 everything for me to an extent, um, and I think it all comes under like one umbrella. Like, I get as much out of going for a run, eating really healthy for a whole week, as I do going for a beer with my best mate Jesse. Like him and I, or not even a beer. Like we'll sit down. I could spend weeks on end with him and just talking. And so, like, I, I get just as much from both, but I feel like you can't, like, function and have those real deep conversations and, and you know, your brain can't work in a way unless you don't, unless you have the fitness thing. Mm. So, and, like, the fitness doesn't have to be training for a marathon, but it's just, like, you know, constant kind of zone two work and, and getting stuff like that in. But I find, like, the spending time with people for me particularly and then also the fitness stuff those two together i'm at my absolute peak and i think i get well i do get really like wigged out by i see people who just like don't take their fitness seriously or just take their health seriously Mm. and that scares me like that that is it's terrifying to watch what do you mean just their health like oh people who don't go to the not even go to the gym but people who don't exercise or people who eat like shit every single day or people who are out every single weekend doing drugs, sinking piss, you know, like that that scares me in people because I think it's like I see that and go, I really don't want to be that. And like I know the ramifications of if you are that. So, um, yeah, fitness is pretty essential. So you look at people and you sort of invert it sometimes. Like you yeah. almost look at those people and you're like, I don't want to – be like that and it sort of narrows down what you want to do yeah i guess so i I mean i think i just see like sometimes see how people treat their bodies and and just well it's as simple as it scares me you train well you eat well you feel good and you can just (laughs) it's pretty pretty common sense i don't know why i'm still confused why people abuse their bodies and their minds on weekends i I just Mm. i don't really understand it to be honest yeah me neither i mean i get i totally get the social element like you know Festivals, great fun. Going to the pub with your friends, great fun. Like a big night out, great fun. But it's it's all moderation, you know. And then you see people who are doing it every weekend and whatever. It's they're obviously like running from something, aren't they? Speaking of festivals, I saw you went to Zach Bryan. Oh mate, I love him. I, my mate, um, you know his dad. My mate was singing in the 
like this pub place before with his dad. Yeah. Like on the balcony, he's Zach's dad messaged my mate and he flew over to Melbourne. He was playing with his dad singing something. Really? In the orange, like in front of like a couple hundred people. Yeah. Really, <laughs> mate. It's so, that was the best, best like um, concert I've ever seen, I think. I've, I haven't heard of him until two months ago and yeah. I can't stop listening to him. He's so good. It's so good. He's, yeah, he's incredible. I, I, um, when, when I started seeing Izzy a while ago, I was like, really on the Zach Bryan train. I was trying to show it to her and she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, and she, I just, she just, and now she loves him. Oh. <laughs> I just like worked her slow into burn. it. Yeah, slow burn, but we got there in the end. <laughs> I'm interested in like a couple little one percenters. Like, did you go vegan? No. Who was, who, oh, My okay. sister's vegan. I've always been passionate about like understanding veganism, weirdly, like mm. since a young age. I used to watch Durian Rider, for those that know him, and Freely the Banana Girl, I would binge his stuff on YouTube. He's like this just hectic vegan cyclist. Um, And I've always said like one day I'll probably go vegan. I I think less so now, but when I was younger. Um, And my sister's a vegan and she's really passionate about health and fitness. So um, I, uh, yeah, I I like researching it, but no, I'm not vegan. What about any non-exercise tools for your mind space, like breath work? Have you tapped into that? Yeah, yeah, I've done done plenty of breath work. So with the breath house in Melbourne, um, Nath Freeman and, and Ella Pike, the the breath boss, they uh, I've gotten down to a few classes. It's incredible. Uh, so so good to do. I I don't do it consistently enough. Same with meditation. Mm. Um, but I went on a date there with Izzy once, and it's just like the most you know connecting thing ever. So um, for those that haven't tried, I'd recommend doing breath work. Going to a breath work class if you're in Melbourne, go to the breath house. Do you feel like sometimes you get caught up in not being present and that's why it's important? Because I feel like anyone who's got in the non nine to five world and it's, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of excitement. Sometimes your mind is just thinking to the next big thing versus like fully loving and just sticking to the present of what you're actually doing in that day. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Especially cause you know, anyone who makes content and does it full time or has a small, has their own business it's like, it's really hard to stop working. And like, like what do you define as work when you're a content creator? So like on a Sunday, I'll be up late making a video or like, like that's technically work. So you, I, I've found I need to like be really clear in when I am working and when I'm not working. Um, same goes with like uh, when, when I spend time with my friends or with Izzy my girlfriend like we have like a set date night it's like no you're not working on the date night it's the same for her mm. you know so I think having really clear boundaries is important but at the same time if you want to make something you're gonna have to grind it so I'm in a real grind phase at the moment and I'll work seven days a week easily yeah but is it because you're not in that nine to five and you're doing everything absolutely love is it just feel like play then or is it still elements of grind? No, there's still elements of grind. Like I'm passionate about it, but you know, like locking into, to making, you know, I'm trying to make like 30 videos at the moment for this app. And it's like, I love it. I'm passionate about running and I love like the end goal, but there's still, you know, sitting on um, Premiere Pro, like the editing software for four hours. Like I'd rather be doing other things for sure. Have you thought about outsourcing any of that? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But I think biggest thing with small business is trying to keep the cost down. So mm. where I can, I'll um, try not to outsource. What do you think of motivation and discipline in, I guess, this whole world of 
pushing your your body and pushing your mind. Mm. Yeah, it's a big one. I think, um, especially with fitness, like I get so many questions about, oh, how are you so motivated? I've spoken about this so much, but it's it's so simple. Like I'm not, I'm not motivated. I'm just disciplined. Like I don't actually want. To, I went for a ten k this morning. I hated every second of it. It sucked. I forgot my AirPods back in Melbourne. It was windy. Like I had this Thai food last night and the MSG is just sitting in my gut. Like it wasn't fun, but you do it because you're disciplined, you know, um, not because I'm motivated. So, yeah, I think that's a, a really difficult one for people to understand who haven't played sport early in their life. And anyone who's, you know, grown up playing sport, they've gone to training, I don't want to do this, they still do it. Like, that's discipline. But if you haven't, like my dad, for example, never been into sport, never played sport, he's always said it's really difficult to get into fitness in your latter years as as you get older Mm. because you haven't had that routine or haven't had to be disciplined in that regard. So, um, yeah, I've uh, it's been an interesting one and that's that's something that I really notice through my um, fitness content is like, like people want to know how to stay motivated. But... That's not the message. It's how to stay disciplined. So like this, I'm big on like, uh, who is it? Uh, Stephen Bartlett talks a lot about the stealth story. Like doing the things you say you're going to do. I feel like that is Mm. huge for like not only your confidence, but your discipline. Oh, for sure. And how good is Stephen Bartlett? I I love love him so much. But um, yeah, that's that's everything. I think... um, if you can actually honor your word and, and like accountability for yourself, that's such a big one. And it's so easy to just say, be a yes man and say, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll go do this. But it's like, no, you actually need to do what you say you're going to do. I suppose that's where it it helps putting it online because then you have to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking about Stephen Bartlett, what sort of podcasts do you listen to? Um, I actually just finished his audio book. Uh, really good and I went and bought the hard copy I'm not a reader but I went and bought the hard copy to highlight um, you know the the rules that are in there uh, so I, I love all the diary of a CEO stuff Joe Rogan really enjoy it um, Chris Williamson at all? yeah a bit of Chris Williamson I, I enjoy yeah. some of his stuff I, re- I think one of my fa- best podcasts I've ever listened to was Chris Williamson interviewing Stephen Bartlett yeah that was very good incredible the framework um, stuff was, was yeah sick. just unreal yeah uh, and then you know can be a little bit controversial to some, but I I really enjoy some of Jordan Peterson stuff. Yeah, I think he's just so like brutally honest, and a lot of people don't like hearing that. And like he's quite dogmatic in yeah. in how he speaks, and I understand it can offend some. But you know, you don't want to be listening to stuff that you just agree with all the time. I've heard that a good point for a podcaster is like, like when was the last time your podcast you listened to said something that surprised you? Mm. Because I feel like it's really easy to get into the content world and just regurgitate everything you're learning. But recently, a big thing I've been doing is coming up with like my own psychology theories and stuff because I study psychology and Mm. just using my own thinking. I feel like we're in a world where there's so much information, we almost forget to flex the critical thinking muscle ourselves. Oh, 100%. And you can lose yourself in that as well. Like everyone's got that mate that's, you know, sending them articles and whatever. And it's like just the same news source every time. And then, you know, like, or even politically, like they just will not listen to anything other than their party, you know, left or right wing. And I I think it's a really toxic way to go about life. Like it's, you're just going to be in a, this, you know, cauldron of uh, people who agree with you. Do you, speaking of like growth mindset, have you been able to sort of grow by having a willingness to learn and like, 
I don't know, it's almost dropped the ego at times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm such a student to 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 a lot um, for a lot of things. I think that the most growth I've had was probably you know recently, um, just kind of in in terms of accountability and you know going into a, into a relationship. I've brought up Izzy a lot this podcast, but she's <laughs> a big her. part of my life. Yeah, love her, and and she's a big part. So, but just like like if you're going to go into a relationship and like actually kind of. Um, your actions have a lot of kind of resp- like that they affect another person a whole lot. Yeah, reverberations. So like they they affect a lot of a lot of people. And um, it, sorry, if you're in a relationship, like they affect the other person. So I've really kind of learnt, you know, accountability and and just like how you conduct yourself as a person is so important, especially within a relationship. And I, I've just been trying to you know work on myself in regards to that. And like, you know. Like, what do you want? And and saying things and, and speaking things and, and being, like, having a relationship that you actually want. And it's something her and I, you know, communication's great. And we always talk about, like, it's so easy to, like, upload an Instagram and, like, look like you're in the happiest relationship ever. And, like, it's, like, the best thing ever. What's hard is being in the trenches and saying, when you did that, I actually didn't like it. Like, that's so hard to say to someone, to, to your girlfriend or to a friend. Um. And I think most of my growth has come particularly recently from like just like bullishly accountable and bullishly honest. Yeah, uh, there's so much in relationships with communication and there's so much growth to be had. What are some what are some of the best things you've learned recently about being able to have those conversations, being able to give feedback and say how you're feeling? Because for me, I fall into the people-pleasing problem where like I'm like, oh, I don't want to like – because when you love someone so much – you just don't want to upset them. But then it can be like, well, what about my boundaries? Yeah, 100%. I think um, one of the things, you know, and this isn't in, in any particular order, but like one thing I've noticed is like when someone says, you know, hey, I didn't like it when you did this, initial response is to like fight back. And it takes a lot to like sit there, listen to what they have to say and go, yeah, no, you're actually right. I shouldn't have done that. And like just like bullishly accountable um, that's been something I've really learned and like had to develop and, and be conscious of is like when, you know, Izzy comes to me and says, oh, like you said this and it made me feel like this instead of being like, nah, well I meant to, it's like, no, you should sit there and go, I'm sorry for saying that. Like I, I didn't mean it in this regard or, um, I should, I just straight, I shouldn't have said that and I will look to improve and, and do better. Um, and I think once you start getting into that kind of, realm of conversation you you know really really pick up your um yeah your ability to grow together you know do you feel like you fall into like that defensiveness yeah mindset like 100 percent not being able to take on board feedback it's hard because it's yeah. from someone you love yeah I, ab- absolutely um but we're both pretty good at like calling it out mm. and, and if you just if you if you have that conversation you know, like, oh, you're just so much better off. Yeah. You're so much better off. It's 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 actually crazy, like, the the difference in feeling, you know, let's say you catch up and you've got something on your mind. The difference in feeling before you bring that up to, like, a minute after you've had that conversation. Like, it's weight off your shoulders kind of stuff. And it doesn't have to be anything big, you know. It could, it could be something so small, like, you know, oh, the other day I, I said this. And oh, like the other day you said this and like, it made me feel like, 
you know, it made me feel pretty shit. And it's like, I think as a guy, especially that's hard to do. Mm. I don't know why, I don't know what it is, but I really struggle with being like, oh, it actually made me feel pretty shit when you said that. I, I don't know what it is, but I really struggle with it. So, but every time I've done that and, and brought it up and had that conversation, God, we're so much better for it. And I feel like she, you know, appreciates me a whole lot more if we have those conversations. Yeah, there's so much reward after a hard conversation, but it's a hard conversation for a reason. Mm. But why do you think it's so hard then for men to, because there's a lot in this space at the moment about vulnerability and stuff and men just, Men, it's, it's so hard for men to in a, in a relationship to say how they're feeling. It almost comes across as like feminine, like it's like, yeah. oh, what you're saying, you know, matters to me. I don't know why. I I don't have the answers, but shit, I feel like it. Like I sat down, um, like I'm really trying to um, work on myself in terms of like um, expressing emotion and expressing love, particularly. I think I've maybe it's through footy and stuff, but like just always like suppress that emotion a lot. Like never felt like I could tell, mm. you know, like my girlfriend, he's, I, I mean, I've, I've always been able to tell her I love her and stuff, but like, you know, just like, like showing and expressing that love has been difficult. I sat, sat down the other day with the sole intention of handwriting a love letter. Mm. Boys, if you're listening, one of the hardest things I've had to do, like, and, and I meant everything I put on that page, but just like writing it out and expressing how I felt, I, I was like, this is scary how difficult it is for me to do this. Like, I feel so, like, feminine and, and mm. like, I shouldn't be doing this. When in actual fact, it's one of the most, like, masculine things you can do is, is express your emotions and, and, and show someone how much you love them. Um, so, yeah, I, I just remember it being – and I don't have answers here, but I just remember sitting down doing it and, like, almost, like, being like, fuck, this is so hard, getting it done and then – feeling good but still feeling like quite nervous about the letter and I gave it to her I was like all right <laughs> like, this feels really like this is really awkward and stuff but I love you and, and I wanted to show you in a different way um and and doing stuff like that's really difficult I think I see it as well in in mates sometimes like you've got to be able to d- decipher the difference between how you talk to your friends and how you talk to your girlfriend or the girl that you're seeing like it's really easy for you to say like oh I fucking love you like that's such a throwaway comment. Like if you look your girlfriend in your, in the in her eyes and say like I really love you, like that's there's something mm. like a little bit difficult about that. Um, and I've chatted to some mates about this before. It's like you've you've got to be able to decipher the difference. Take take the swear words out. Like try and look them in the eyes. Be as like open and as vulnerable as you can, and you're just gonna get so much further. Yeah, there's something about eye contact, especially like and. It's a thing I'm noticing is sometimes the people you can love someone so much and sometimes the people closest to you, people find it the hardest to express their love to them. And especially with parents who might be sort of stoic um, and haven't sort of learnt that vulnerability. I think that's a definitely a generational thing where like the male figures in a lot of the 20 year olds now have, have parents who are quite stoic mm. and they don't know how to give that, vulnerability but then also i don't think women are quite good at receiving vulnerability because they haven't really received it from the parents too so there's a lot of like oh a lack of skills yeah so i guess it's just going to be a thing where just awareness around it and saying to work on with your with like your partner but i listened to a podcast recently that said him and his partner went to like a relationships coach and the stigma you would imagine around that but apparently it's one of the 
best mm, ever I've, things. I've heard, yeah. So that that'd be very interesting for anyone sort of in a relationship. I, I think as well, like you know, it's it's so easy to say like, oh, we're only a couple months in. Like, why should we even bother? To me, like early in a relationship, that's where it matters. Like, mm. put your like start researching, start listening to podcasts, read books on relationships, listen to Jay Shetty, like do whatever you've got to do to make sure you're the best individual within that relationship. And, um, you know, it's been a really interesting one. Like at for, for Izzy and I, I, I felt like it's like, she's so good at all this stuff. I'm still working on it, but like, you know, coming in and, and actively listening to a Jay Shetty podcast about, you know, the seven rules of relationships or like something like that. It's, it's really difficult to like sit down and do that. And especially when you're so early in a relationship, but those are the foundations. Like that's, I, I really think that's where you start, you know, start how you intend to finish kind of thing. Like if you start strong and you set those foundations of like honesty, um, transparency and accountability, you, you know, you're, you're in for a long one. I, and I think on that, thing you're saying about like you know love and, and men and it's so true and, and the stoicism like there's it's it's a bit of a gray area for some and i think people will really struggle to decipher the difference you've you know? been in a lot of like you know footy cultures mm. um in recent years and there's like that bravado mm. about toughness but how many of those people you know the people you cop an abuse from but how many of them like have never like truly felt their emotions and have repressed their emotions for so many years. They almost feel sorry rather than feel offended by the insecurities. hundred percent. And and I think once you develop that mindset, you're better off yourself, you know, like that. Yeah. The the footy, everyone's seen that guy at the footy club. It's just like the toughest bloke and (laughs) yeah, they're great at footy and they put their head over it and, and all of that great fun on the piss. But like, mate, they must go home and just scream into a pillow because, like, they're, they're so uneasy with who they are and, you know, like, and, and what they're feeling. Like, they don't understand the feelings. And I think that's a big thing in my world is, like, when I get cop abuse, especially through all that, um, like, that breakup stuff, is, like, uh, I really noticed the abuse that was coming in was from young kids. Mm-hmm. And so straight away it's, like, I actually get where you're coming from, mate, because you're having all these feelings, you're growing and then you've kind of seen this narrative painted of like me being a bully and all of that and then you just like down my throat. So, so I actually kind of understand where you're coming from. You know, you you need to manage your response a little bit, but you, you've, you've, you're feeling all these feelings from a young age and it's it's quite like, like shit, I was lost when I was young. Like I, was, I was so lost and I think everyone is, but I just remember, you know, being so like, I don't know what I feel, what I'm like doing. Like girls are kind of scary, but I like them, but I can't talk to them. Then I'll just like, you know, like bully them a little bit because I feel like that's flirting. And I think if you don't come out of that mindset, that's where you get like that guy at the footy club. Mm. You know, if you don't do any work on yourself, you're that guy. And if you don't, if you can't think of who that guy is, then you probably are him. So it's hard to navigate your emotions when you're quite young. A quote I like though is, everything up close makes sense because I feel like there's so much negativity in the world but every time you fully like you whether you listen to their story or you hear it and every time you fully get to know someone a lot of the things they've done and said really start to make sense to like why they're like that Mm. even if it's in a really negative way yeah absolutely You, you start you start understanding the full story and you know it takes time for you to figure that out I've learned so much about Tom just from living with him and, and the persona I got early on, you know, before he moved in, I really liked him. We got along. But 
you know, as I've gotten to know him, he's, you know, really big heart and like a really sweet person. And I, I find, you know, sometimes I have to kind of not warn people, but like, just say, like, just give him a chance. Like he needs to warm up to you. And then I promise you'll love him. And every single time people will go, Oi, no, that Tom guy, he's actually really cool. Like he's actually really nice. Um, which I get so sick of hearing, but, um, yeah, I think the more time you spend with someone, like the, the more you get to understand them, obviously, you know. But do you reckon, like, because he's copped so much hate, mm. or even speak from your own experience, like, you sometimes almost just naturally put a bit of a barrier? 100%, 100%. And, and that barrier, and you kind of have to put that barrier up. And we've learned that a whole lot. Tom and myself used to be so just trusting in everyone, in terms of our address, in terms of the content we were posting, like, you're putting the good in in everyone, you know, like a brand message us, just send them our home address. It's like, well, that that's a small, you know, business. That Then your home address is everywhere and then people are rocking up at your door. That's mm. like an example. So you kind of have to put like on a little bit of a persona. I think you want to be really careful though, like constantly putting on like a celebrity persona is so like shit, especially when you're a TikToker, like settle down, you know. So um yeah, you just want to be careful of what kind of persona you're putting on. Did you get an invite to the TikTok Awards? I didn't. <laughs> Got no call up, mate. Um, Tom invited me though, but I couldn't make it. It was on the night of the Big Brother finale. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah, missed out. Um, <laughs> last couple ones. Um, I'm sort of interested in how you sort of, or a few things actually, how you def- define yourself like, I'll just bring it to me, like, because I'm so invested in this podcast and everything I do and you put so much love and energy into it, sometimes, like, when things get criticised, like, we spoke about it before, but when things get criticised, it's hard to have that distinction between, like, well, is it is that a reflection of me or, like, this one little content piece? Because a lot of the things we're noticing, there's a lot of hate for like a 20 second TikTok clip, but they never listen to like a full podcast and they don't get the context. Everything's taken out of context. Um, Everything's narrated to make you look bad. And in our little micro community, one of my mates has changed quite a lot in the last couple of months entering into this like mental health mindset space. Awesome. But he cops so much hate because people are like, this isn't him. Like almost that fixed belief that he can't change like have you noticed like anything about like people like people in their brains they love to have order they're like oh this bloke like yeah almost pigeonhole them into like he's this sort of guy and it's like what about their room for growth like they're allowed to mm. grow yeah yeah 100 percent. you know i think the the best way to look at it from what i've found is stop looking at acute changes like stop looking at your growth or lack of growth across a week like, look at it across a year. You know, your mate, let's say, from who he was at the start of the year to who he is now, like, that is such great growth. And the people along the way who are, like, tearing shreds off him, like, that's all. That's just always going to happen because, like, they're, they're just looking at these little acute changes and then ripping into him. So I think if you look at, like, who you are at the start of the year versus who you are at the end, like, that's a, a better way to kind of take a look at it from a from a, a bird's-eye perspective. Um but like, yeah, you just, you're always going to have that, you know, and like, if you're resilient enough, then you, you just cop it and you keep going, you know, like that, your mate who's copying, like, 
what's the alternative? What, you stop? Stop growing? Fuck that. Like, you, you would, you'd get yourself in so much more trouble in the future um, if you don't. If, if you stop, if you stop growing, and and if you succumb to those comments, it's the same with like, you know, those people. It's it's literally the first thing I say when we I have those coffee dates with people of asking how to do content. It's like, well, what's the alternative? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't post that video, mate. You might die next week. You might die, you know, in a year's time, or like you might get severely ill. Imagine how flat you'd feel if you didn't chase that business idea, chase that change, chase that growth. So I think you know, the best way to look at it is like, well, what's the alternative? Yeah, I think we don't realise how, not irrelevant, but I guess the existentialism part is like, well, I use a lot of regret as like a motivator because yep. I feel like if you kickstart your fear engine, it can be more powerful than like the motivator engine. So like the regret, like fuck, like I would regret not like investing everything into this mm. versus like, oh, it'd be cool to like have that like, fame one day like people not really gonna yeah it's, it's a different sort of mindset and the fame will fall apart real like if you're doing it for fame like you, mm. you just realize nah honestly even doing a tax return you'd be like nah fuck that <laughs> to keep the fame what about like all the little the power of like the small things so we talked about like the grand like a year and looking back but i think a lot of us underestimate like the power of those like little acute changes. Mm, and I guess mm. you've done a lot of habits, whether it's your eating or exercise that actually accumulate. But we have this like in with social media, it's that like instant gratification thing now mm. where like we don't see the power of those small changes consistently over a long period of time. I think like the TikTok age and the TikTok world, they, they want that instant gratification. And it can come in terms of you post a video, you get 10 million views and then you've got 100,000 followers. But... I think if you take it out of like the TikTok algorithm and look at it as like the algorithm of life, you know, like how like little things you do along the way are going to help your algorithm. You know, this is quite like a philosophical. Yeah. Yeah. But like, like things along the way, like if you just keep chipping in and and doing little bits here and there, like they're going to help in the long run. Um, So instead of like, yeah, searching for that, that, you know, quick, quick video, if you just keep chipping away and, and then, as I said, you know, look back a year ago, I think that's where you should like be judging yourself from. Mm. Any sort of like random advice to, for people to, you know, take on life, set big goals, surround themselves with big container people and say yes to more opportunities? Oh, um, I've got a few quotes written down. I, and I, these aren't prepared for this uh, podcast, but um, I just like writing them down. Um, right, first one, conflict delayed is conflict multiplied. I love that in relationships, in life, mm. um, the you know, and in business as well. Like the, the more you kind of uh, delay that conversation, the the more difficult it is to have that conversation. Like you are just multiplying it. You know, like if if you're avoiding calling someone to tell them, "Hey, look, we don't actually need your work," like you just it you're just making it worse and worse. Or you know, same with oh, the relationship. Thing. I got a a great quote for the exact same thing. I heard in a podcast yesterday. It says, "Unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments." Fantastic! How good! That's a killer quote. Um, 
I've got more if you okay, want. Okay, yeah, I love, yeah, yeah, I yeah. love quotes. <laughs> this is a classic. I think it was Chris Williamson brought it up. But the magic you're looking for is in the work you're avoiding. Mm, you yeah, know? I love that one. It's so true though. Mate, I will clean my room and my bathroom and my whole house 20 times before I sit down and reply to that brutal email. But that's br- productive procrastination. Yeah. That's better than TikTok scrolling. Yeah, though. nah, even still like I'll I'll that but that's how I get away with it is mm. I'm saying it's productive. Yeah. And and I've literally had to re- I've written the quote down. And I go, "No, sit down and do it." Like come on, you want the magic. The next one is um the more you're focused on yourself, the more miserable you are. Uh and I really like that one because it's so true. I uh I had a Someone sent me a question the other day and it was like, I'm 23, I'm lost. Like, what should I do essentially? It's a lot a lot of pressure to put yeah. on a, a bloody influencer. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I put that quote up and it's helped me a lot because if you're so lost, like often you find yourself in helping others. Mm. Like for me, it's that the more I help others and the more I can help, you know, people with their running or with whatever, like the more I feel my cup is filling up. So, um, yeah, help, helping others is honestly pretty much the answer to almost everything. Mm. Next one, you start progressing where you can start. And I like that one just because, like, if, you know, especially from the fitness thing, if you're, like, if you're doing nothing and, you know, tomorrow you go for a walk, like, that is, that's elite. You start where you can start. For me, it might be I need to do 15Ks tomorrow and I need to do it at a 4.30 pace. Yeah. Like that's 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 my thing. That no one's better than the other. Like yeah. your thing is just as good as my fifteen Ks. So I like that one. A counter quote, yeah. You don't need to be great to start, but you need to start to be great. Love it. How good. Um, what do you think about comfort zone? Have you I guess uh, there's a lot of like growth from getting out of your comfort zone in the last couple of years. Has that been one of the biggest catalysts for growth for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean like that's that's everything isn't it comfort's not shit like that's writing the love letter yeah like that's it's it's but as i as i've said so many times well, what's the alternative you know like you you just have to step out of your comfort zone um so yeah i think uh yeah if you're not going to step out of your comfort zone you're just going to keep getting the same shit every day aren't you yeah, I like the what's alternative, what's the alternative. I'm definitely going to use that one. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> because I feel like once you're in this world and you sort of, I don't know, you sort of just like, yeah, I'm, this is the path I'm going down. There's, you don't have that excuse of like the ignorance. Mm. Like, oh, I, there's all in your head now, you know. Oh, you, you know. Should, you, the standard's set now. It's it's the same with any, it, it, and it might be like some people listening to this might not kind of resonate with the what's the alternative. But I, I'd say for, for some people, for me, absolutely, it's like if if I if I hear something and I and I like don't do it, or if I like you know hear someone say something that I don't like or I strongly disagree with, or like it's affecting me, if I leave that, I'm going to be up all night thinking about it. Mm. So it's like I just I have to. There there is no other way than me confronting that person or putting myself out of my comfort zone or etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Like there there is no alternative. I feel like it's like a little muscle that you need to keep on. Flexing. Have to. Uh, otherwise, I'm not sleeping. So, <laughs> What's the alternative? <laughs> what's, what's the alternative? All right. To wrap it up, I'm interested. What's sort of the the next couple of months, years looking like? We've got the app. What else we got? Yeah, yeah, the app. I think just, you know, generally speaking, I've, in the, the last six months, I've been very kind of short, short-term focused. And 
you know, coming out of Big Brother, obviously that was a year ago, but but the sh- the you know show took my social media and stuff. It was getting my social media back and and just like understanding this amazing thing I have in front of me. And I don't want to burn that in three months. I don't want to burn that in six months. Like I'm really trying to look to the the long term goal. So, you know, the app app's a big one. That's that's a five to ten year plan. Um, the way I go about social media, five to ten year plan. Like I want to do a whole lot more community stuff. I want to get more and more people involved. And um, yeah, that's that's kind of it. How that looks, I'm not too sure, but we're figuring it out as we go. Is that just sort of trying to delay? The gratification a bit because you felt like you yep. said before you almost sometimes fall in the trap of yeah. chasing that because once you get a taste for it you know it can become a craving 100 so, so also with cash to be honest like um i could sign so many sponsorships and just flog them through my instagram be on a really good wicket but that'll be all over in six months if i do that mm. so you know from that perspective just like peppering it i don't need to be earning a heap of money i can be earning just enough money to survive and pay rent and have food but do that for a lot longer than you know a quick six months and a hot and fast six months Mm. yeah totally understand any concluding thoughts mate i've loved this no no real overarching thoughts that i want to leave you with but um yeah thanks for having me on and i've uh, i've really enjoyed this thank you i really appreciate it thanks louis good stuff thanks guys Thank you for listening to this episode. I definitely learned lots from Louis. This is the first podcast I've done with someone I've been following on social media for a few years and it did not disappoint. I was so grateful to sit down with him and I look forward to seeing his app launch and the progression he makes in the next couple of years. Thanks again, guys, and I'll see you in the next one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.